here with us this morning, Jesus. Being that faithful God that will never fail us for meeting our needs, God. Being who you say you are, Jesus. Our firm foundation, God. God, we give you the rest of this morning, Lord. Continue to place our burdens at your feet, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you may be seated. My name is Ed Hires, one of the pastors here at Shiloh, and uh, that was Jaden Syverson. Yes. What's really amazing is that uh, she knew on Monday she needed to do this today. <laughs> so she learned that song in a uh, very short time. She's used to short notice on my part. Um, so over the past several weeks, we have been talking about famous people. Okay, and today we're going to talk about another famous person. That person's name is Joseph. Now, 
There have been many famous Josephs over the years. So we're going to do a little quiz to start out. I'm going to list a number of Josephs, and then you're going to, at the end, make a mental note as you go through them. At the end, you're going to tell me which Joseph you think I'm going to preach on today. Fair? All right, let's start out. First, Joseph. Joseph Biden. I think Gary just made a note. That was his choice. <laughs> All right, how about this one? Joseph Stalin. Oh, no, Joseph. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Joseph Montana, number 16. Played for who? Yeah, San Francisco. Last, next, I guess you can't guess, Joseph Stalin. Okay. Next, we have mean Joseph Green. Pittsburgh. Next, Joseph Jonas. I put that in so people much younger than me would have something they would recognize in this whole thing. I figured you'd get Biden and Stalin. Come on. How about this one? Joseph DiMaggio. But he was a Yankee. But in spite of that, he was a legend. Now this one, you might, you might pick this one. G.I. Joseph. <laughs> Last but not least, Joseph, the son of Jacob. All right. All right. I will save the trouble of going around and seeing who picked who. We're going to go with the last one. So, we're wrapping up our series today. Jesus revealed stories from Genesis. And from the very beginning, God wrote this story to prepare us for Jesus. And that story is the Bible. The whole Bible. Three things we hoped to accomplish by doing this series. Number one, that you would realize that the well-known people of the Old Testament, back to the very first person, Adam all played a part in pointing you and I and all those that came after them to Jesus. That this series would help you read the whole Bible through the lens of Jesus, including the Old Testament. And that because of that, you would realize how much God loved us before he ever sent his son in the flesh to do all that Jesus was meant to do. You know, if you read the Old Testament with the idea that Jesus has not yet arrived, and then when you see him in the Old Testament, all that he does, believe now he has arrived, you miss some really important aspects of reading the Old Testament. Jesus is hidden in dozens and dozens of examples. And if we're not looking for them, we'll miss them. But more importantly, if we're not looking for him, we will miss them. So one of the most striking individuals in the Old Testament who pointed us to Jesus, we're discussing today, and that is Joseph. So far, we've looked at Adam, we've looked at Noah, we've looked at Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are some pretty big hitters in the annals of Bible history. However, something I learned, by the way, by doing research on this, which I didn't know before, Joseph is mentioned more than any of them at all. 
In fact, 25% of the whole book of Genesis is written on Joseph. Didn't know that. So why this big deal about Joseph? Well, it was because Joseph lived at a time where God started a plan for his people that would occur long from them, long from that time. In fact, many scholars believe there would not have been an exodus of the Jews from Egypt had it not been for what Joseph did during his life. So, quick genealogy on Joseph. Many of you know it. So, Abraham, the father of Isaac, Isaac, the father of of Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons, which all went on to become the uh, leaders of the tribes of Israel. And Joseph was one of those 12 sons. He was the 11th son. The only one younger was Benjamin. And that meant that Joseph was really way down the totem pole. <laughs> okay, the, the firstborn son got most everything, but boy, as you went down the, the rank, it was, uh, it was not pretty. So what was Joseph like? Another thing I found out that I hadn't known before. So of all the characters in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible, right? The Holy Spirit sees fit in this situation to never attribute a sin to Joseph. Now, did Joseph sin? Of course he did. He was human. Probably sinned many times. But the Holy Spirit chose not to do that because this was one of the prime, premier representations of of Jesus. And, And it was meant to be another indication of what was to come. So, Let's begin by going over the similarities between Joseph and Jesus. There's so many of them. We're going to limit it to a a long list, but still, many more still we could look at. So, uh, number one, he was born in a lowly place, as we just talked about, 11 out of 12 sons. He was the object of his father's special love. He had promises of divine exaltation. He was mocked by his family, sold for pieces of silver, He was delivered up to the Gentiles. He was falsely accused. He was faithful amid temptation, stood before rulers. His power was acknowledged by those in authority. He saves his rebellious brothers from death. When they realize who he is, he's exalted after and through humiliation. He embraces God's purpose, even though it brings him intense physical harm. He is the instrument God uses at the hands of the Gentiles to bless his people. He welcomes Gentiles to be part of his family, and people must bow their knee before him. Unbelievable. Now, did they know that back in the day? They didn't. It reminds me when Jesus walked on the road of Emmaus with the two individuals, and he showed them in Scripture how he was predicted all the way from Genesis all the way through. So, but in addition to to pointing us to Jesus, which is very important, He also shows shows us some important insights into your life and my life as they are reflected in the many seasons of his life. So let me know if this is your life, okay? If this is your life, I want to know this. You had perfect parents and perfect siblings. How about it, Hannah? Did you have perfect siblings? Yeah, no. Okay, and during your growing up years, you never struggled with any issues. In your adult life, things are the same. It's been perfect. You have the perfect job. You have the perfect wife. Now, I happen to have that, but yeah. 
You have perfect kids. I don't have that. Sorry, guys. Oh, I didn't welcome you listening in. Welcome. And besides all that, you have never wanted for anything materially. If that's you, get out. I have nothing to offer you today. All right, nothing. But you see, we all know there's no one born on this earth who can say that. It's impossible. Jesus told us in John 16, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I, over, I have overcome the world. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Amen is right. The Amplified Version of the Bible takes that one phrase, take heart, and it it defines it this way. It says, but be courageous, be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. See, it appears that as we study the life of Joseph and all that went on in his life, this appears to be the way he handled the trials and sorrows of his life. See, and we, we can read in Acts 14, verse 22, where Paul says this, making strong, this is when, by the way, he's come back to Lystra, he's now dealing with a lot of the towns around uh, there, and he's encouraging the believers. Making strong the souls of the disciples, saying to them that they were to keep the faith and that we have to go through troubles of all sorts to come into the kingdom of God. You see, in this world, I don't have to tell you this, you already know it, you'll have tribulations, tough times, disappointing times, unfair times. Some of these are where you, blow, where you have blown it, not just things done to you. But it's not that you might. It's not that maybe you won't. It's this. It's you will. You will. Every person we've studied in this series went through significant, difficult times, but in every case, God saw them through, just like he has any will in your life and in my life. See, many times things were unbelievable for Joseph. At times they were unbelievably good. Other times they were unbelievably bad. See, earlier, earlier in his life, he was hated by his brothers He was the first son of Rachel. All the other 10 that had been born before that were Leah's children. And Jacob loved Rachel. She couldn't have children until we see Joseph. His brothers hated him. But when they had a chance, they decided to kill him. They put him in a well, which is really a bummer. I mean, you're going to starve to death down there. And then his brothers felt bad. Not too bad, though, because they sold him into slavery. He was 17 years old at this time. So he ends up as a slave, but to a wealthy and influential man named Potiphar. And here's what Genesis 39 tells us. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of this Egyptian master, Potiphar. He soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. But wait, there's more. Then 
Potiphar put him in prison. Why? Because he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Later on in chapter 39, we see this. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her, which was a lie. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. Let me tell you something about prisons back in those days. They didn't have prisoner prisoner rights. They they didn't have individual places to live with restrooms, and they didn't get fed three square meals a day. They didn't have a a yard to go out and exercise in, not making light of prisoners, by the way, so please understand my heart. But I am just trying to point out that this wasn't a bad deal. It was a horrible deal. But even though Joseph was then in prison, he still puts forth these best efforts. It says this, Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. Joseph was this guy that, he was an everything guy. Potiphar put everything under him. We'll see later another example of this, but but here the warden puts everything, and he made the best of that We know that's how he ended up in that role. But then he does another thing. He helps two individuals get out of prison. Didn't work out well for one of them. But the other one did really well. And all Joseph asked was one thing. What was it? Yeah, remember me. Tell the king how you got there. Well, that didn't happen. So there he is, left in prison. But God would soon reward him big time where he would rule over all all Egypt, second only to Pharaoh himself. So here's a question I have for you. Has life handed you some really tough issues? As a result, are you in prison? Are you in a prison right now? Maybe not a physical one, although people listening to this may very well be in in a physical prison, but, but obviously you're here today, you're not. But are you in a prison more of an emotional nature? Are you in a prison more of a relational issue, emotional, relational, financial? What has got you in prison? So whether you know it or not, God is still with you. You know, whether you know it, whether you believe it, uh, whether you feel it, the word says that Jesus is always right there with you. And at those times, I can tell you, having gone through some of these, it doesn't feel that way. And the only way I knew he was there was because I knew what the word said. And I had to stand on that. And here's another thing. It doesn't matter how you got there. Maybe it was something you did. You really blew it. Maybe it was something that that someone else did to you. But you're there. And here's, here's the issue. You're in great company. You're in great company when that happens. We've been looking at how all these famous individuals from the Bible went through that very same thing, very same thing. And if you don't, if you don't look to God, if you don't start to call out to him, if you don't realize what the word says about this, you're trapped there. And because you're trapped there, you are left in the consequences of that, and it's a never-ending spiral. Jesus had a very similar experience. Palm Sunday, 
everybody's laying palm branches, right? Hosanna in the highest. You know, the Messiah has come. Next Sunday or next weekend, what happened? Crucified. Talk about a turnaround. But God had the final say in that. See, God took Jesus and rose him from the dead. And the final victory was God's, obviously. And it's the same for you and me. Same for you and me. God has a way out. God is faithful. As we trust in him, his timing is perfect. But I don't know whether you've noticed this or not, but his timing is not always yours. Certainly that's been the case in my life. But see, Joseph wasn't the only example of how others would handle adversity. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians 4.11, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Not that he was ever in need, beaten multiple times, stoned, shipwrecked. Not that he was ever in need. But you see, the Apostle Paul had this, this confidence that God always would deliver him or God would take him home. He was good both ways, by the way. But he trusted in God regardless. You know, at another time in his life, Paul goes to God and says, this is a, a very uh, you know, bad translation of what I'm about to say. But, but Paul goes to God and says, hey, God, what's the story? You know, I'm, I'm really hurting down here. I mean, this is, even for me, this is getting to be a lot. Can you just take a couple things away so I don't have to deal with that? And God says to him this. He says, Paul, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. I don't know about you, but I don't have to trust God in areas where I'm strong. Okay, I have to trust God in areas where I'm weak. That's where I see God show up. I don't need God, don't, don't take this wrong, I don't need God to show up in my strong areas. Okay, I don't need God to deliver me from drugs. That's my issue. I don't have an issue with drugs. I'm afraid of drugs. I would never take drugs. So, I mean, I don't call out to the Holy Spirit often saying, please deliver me from drugs. But there are others issue, other issues in my life where I do call out to him where I do cry out to him, because those are issues. You know, when I was younger, I was really stuck in pornography. It was a tough battle for me coming along the way. You know, I knew better, but it was such a struggle. And God delivered me out of that, but not until I went through some really, really difficult times of battling with this, sometimes in my own strength. But God, God saw me out of that. Do I still watch myself every day in this regard? I do. I never want to go back. Never. So, God's there for you. God's there for you. I'd like to give you three scriptures that that hold the key to how we get through these struggles and how you and I find the ability to come out the other side. And it's uh, three scriptures from Romans. Romans 5.3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to be patient. Come on, whoever says that? Seriously? Who, I want to know, raise your hand if you rejoice when you run into trials and problems. I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy, but you know what? It's works. 
We're going to talk a little more about that specific, how we do that. But it helps you learn to be patient. Why does it help you learn to be patient? Because he doesn't come right away. Because when we're calling out to him in our moments of trials and sorrows, guess what? God's working something out in you, or maybe he's working someone out in, something, in someone else. And you don't realize that. Then when that happens, we're, we're able to hold our heads high no matter what happens and know that all is well and we know how dearly God loves us and we feel this warm love everywhere within us because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Wow. You know, that whole idea of holding your head high, you know, back when I struggled with pornography, how do you think that made me feel? I was a Christian. I was a leader. It was not easy to hold my head up high. But God had to teach me that. He had to teach me that what the enemy brings against me does not disqualify me from his love. So there's a formula that I'd like to go over with you in these uh, three scriptures. I like formulas. I'm an organized kind of guy. So number one, always be thankful for where you are in life. So it's important that we, we understand that this thankfulness is really, really important. But here's what I want you to know. Some people go back and forth on this. We'll see another scripture coming up shortly. It's not about being thankful for your situation. It's about being thankful in your situation. Now, I know there's some that would disagree with that, but everything I read in the Bible tells me that I am not thankful for some things that have happened in my life. But I can be thankful in them because I know God knows And either I know God will deliver me from some other unrighteous thing that's being brought against me, or God will deliver me from something I brought on myself. But I can be thankful for him. It's the joy of the Lord that's my strength. Number two, when stuff happens, be patient. Don't overreact. What do you think, Barb? Do I ever overreact? I overreact less today than I did 40 years ago. So, but but I've, I've had to learn that. My wife is really good at that. She'll, she'll correct me and say, Ed, don't overreact to that. You know, we, God's got this. So when stuff happens, you're patient. You don't overreact. That helps build your character. That helps make you into Christ. You know, Paul prayed, I want Christ to be formed in you. Well, when we can rejoice, when we can be patient, then we build character. We become more Christ-like, and that gets us heading in the right direction. And this helps then you trust, which then leads to hope. Boy, I'll tell you, when you lose hope, I've counseled a number of people that lose hope. That's tough. That's really tough. Hope is critical to getting through trials. And then it says your faith will grow strong and steady. But I'd like to take two key elements out of those, one we just talked a bit about especially, and it is be thankful. This is 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. Again, 
be thankful in, not for. And number two, through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. See, you and I don't know when God's going to show up in the middle of something that's going on in our life, but we know this, that he will. You know, when I was a kid, my dad would come home in the evening for supper, and we had a big window in our kitchen that looked out on the, like a little parking lot and back, and, and I lived in the city, looked out on the street, and my father would come. I knew which way he would come. And, you know, sometimes I would watch for him because I knew I was in big trouble and my, my mother was going to tell him when I got home, so I had to hide. I wanted to know when to hide. But a lot of times, I just wanted to see my dad. So I would watch for him. Sometimes he would show up early. Other times, it seemed like forever. But this is one thing I knew. He would show up. I knew he would show up. He never didn't show up. And that's the way we can be with, with our God, with our Father. He will always, he will always show up. You just don't know when. You just don't know how. Did you know that sometimes God lets you suffer things because someone else needs something from you? Do you know how many people I have ministered to in the area of pornography over my life? My, my business partner used to have a, a saying, never take advice from someone who hasn't been where you're headed. So everybody can give me great advice on things they've never struggled with, but I got to tell you something. I want somebody that's been there. Let's go back to the song that Jaden sang. I know there's going to be some brighter days. I swear that love will find you in your pain. I feel it like the beating of life in my veins. I know there's going to be some brighter days. Oh, ashes fall from burning dreams. Never lived through time like, times like these. Oh, if you're trying hard to breathe in the dark, I know there's going to be some brighter days. I swear that love will find you in your pain. You know, wherever you are today, whatever you're going through, you need to know this. There's going to be some brighter days. You need to know that God is there for you. He never leaves you. Maybe you're sitting here today and say, Ed, I don't identify with this. My life's pretty good. I'm I'm not, I'm not in prison. I'm not going through a whole lot. So here's my recommendation. Email yourself this message and hold on to it because someday you're going to need it because you're human, because you go through stuff. Zephaniah 3.17 says, For the Lord your God is living among you. In the New Testament, he's living in us. He's a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Can you imagine that God actually sings over us? No, come on. God actually sings over us. You know, you may think, oh, he doesn't sing over me, not based on my life. Yeah. If you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, he sings over you. His love isn't conditional. And he'll get you out of the hard stuff. Jeremiah 29, 11, off quoted that, that God has plans for you, and they're good plans. They're not to bring you to disaster, but to give you a future and a hope. 
So I know there are some people here or living out there, you're in a tough spot in your life. And I want to tell you something. I believe God gave me this message for you. And I want, I want to assure you that the things I've gone through, I know God shows up. I know God shows up. Still going through some. Some that God hasn't shown up on yet. But I trust that he will. And I trust that no matter how long it takes, he'll use whatever I'm going through for his glory and for expanding his kingdom. And that's my heart. Uh, close your eyes, bow your head for just a minute. If you're here today and you would say, Ed, I am going through, I want to pray for you today. I'm going through something. I'm going through a tough time in my life. I need God to show up. Would you raise your hand? Amen. All those hands. Amen. All right, I'm going to pray for you. Put your hands down. Father, you saw those hands. And Lord, if there's someone here didn't raise their hand, now they wish they had, you saw them too. Father God, when you give a message to any of us, it's meant to be redemptive. It's meant to accomplish what it is sent to accomplish. And Lord, today I believe it's sent to accomplish hope in the lives of those that are despairing right now. Future and a hope. Father, I pray that the enemy would have no more ground in these lives, that they would resist him. And I agree with them right now in, in your name, Lord Jesus. We agree that Satan, you must go. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would comfort them in the midst of this. I pray that you would give them an understanding that you do, Jesus, never leave them, never forsake them. Your love is not conditional. It's not based on how good they are. Father, where there's forgiveness needed, let them forgive and forgive themselves. Where there is repentance needed, Lord, I believe most in this room have done that. Now they're just waiting. But Lord, you'll come. Just like my dad, you'll show up. We thank you for that, Lord. I pray now for something to be different in those the lives of those who raise their hands. I pray this, Jesus, in your holy, precious name. Amen. Amen, Shiloh. Go forth and enjoy another warm week. And if you need prayer before you go today, in addition to that prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray with you. God bless you.